Well, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we're joined again by the Vine staff, and it is a pleasure. The four of us, I've got Houston, Bubby Tucker over here. I've got my man, James Diggleworth. What's up, friends? And um, (laughs) James... Jimmy Dean, Sausage, Davenport, and uh, Lololita. That's going to be her name in Ecuador. Lololita. Uh, Laurel Eccles. So today, um, we want to talk about the importance and the primacy of evangelism in the life of Christians. Um, Those that follow Jesus, those that call themselves uh, followers of Christ. And the world's opening up. People aren't locked down as much anymore, and uh, thankful for that. But it's just kind of struck me that now would be a great time to talk about evangelism, uh, intentionality with our neighbors in light of um, not being so separated anymore. So um, I just want to put it to you guys. Like, as you think about evangelism and uh, moving into the future now, uh, what are you guys thinking about? How are you guys right now thinking about being intentional um, to make disciples with those that don't know Jesus? I've been thinking a lot lately about relationships I already have with non-believers and um, thinking through why would it matter to them if they believed in Jesus and followed him or not. And so, um, just thinking through like, you know, I have a friend that I used to work with who's not a believer and, you know, personal life's kind of a wreck right now. And, and, um, just thinking through like, well, I want to spend time with him. And now that things are opening up, I, I get a chance to spend time with him. And it also makes a lot of sense for me to think through, well, just because you're a believer doesn't mean your life's not a mess, obviously, but there's a stability that comes from this thing that we believe in. And there's a stability in being connected to the creator of the universe, external. And so I, I've just been kind of, yeah, looking forward to this time we get to spend and also thinking through, well, why does it matter for him, um, this thing that I believe like this is not just this is not just some like religion that I do on Sundays. This is like a whole belief system, and and here are some of the benefits of it, you know, like stability and so on and so forth. Yeah. So like, how does my worldview and what the Bible says connect to the lives of my unbelieving friends? And just looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great way to put it. That's great. I, I think. Oh, Lolita. <laughs> Go ahead, James. I beat you on Saturday, so you go ahead and go first today. Ooh, 5K trash talk. I like it. Yeah. James, how, how does that happen? We are different age divisions, so it's right. really hard to say who beat who. That's right. I'm older. I didn't know that Lola Lita was such an uh, elite athlete. I mean, I saw that picture on Slack, and I was like, wow, she's really booking it. And you looked really tired. I mean, you looked... Like you were just yeah struggling. Yeah, it was a struggle. I felt good coming out of the gates, um, and then just had some some tweaks, kind of 
throughout the race. Uh, I'll tell you the biggest encouragement during the little free pantry 5K race was seeing Dr. John Anderson on the course, knowing mm. that if something was to go down, yep. that I would be cared for. And oh. something almost did go down. As I saw you pushing that stroller up the hill. The stroller almost went down? You You couldn't. Like you were really struggling, yeah. and man. I thought you yeah. were gonna fall. In fact, your wife yeah. had to take over for she you. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I saw hey. you release that yeah. stroller, and I was concerned, but I saw John Anderson in the yep. horizon, and yep. I was like, yep. "He's got it. I do not have yep. to race up and help James." Yes. Hey, man, you just gotta blame it on the ACL. I mean, you, I'm still you, recovering. You, you exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. a terrifying freak accident, as yep. they say, yep. and uh, you know, I'm trying to get back on that horse and. So how long ago did you tear that ACL? It's been a few six years. <laughs> it's been like a, a few years. Yeah, I've been rehabbing though, pretty consistently, putting in the hard work and effort. <laughs> I seriously doubt that. But no, yeah, Emily, Emily did push our stroller of two kids for most of the race. I did for about tenth. But I was that's, just gonna say great leadership. Great leadership. <laughs> yeah, <Emily>. she. Yeah, <laughs> she laying down your life for your wife. <laughs> Your wife is amazing, though. She's, She's a, a rock star. She is an elite athlete. She's she my coach and motivator. No, I was just going to say, back to evangelism. No, we should talk about your ACL some more. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not good. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Did I ever tell you how I broke it, though? I don't know if or you break it. an ACL. Well, it's, it was broken. Yeah. Tell Tor- us that story. Sure, tell well, us. I was playing Ultimate Frisbee, MUFA. Yep as they say in Madison. and um, That's the elite league. It was very elite. We were winless, uh, had not won a game. And but enthusiastic. Very enthusiastic, um, especially about the Great Dane and their pretzels post-game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was leaping for the game-winning touchdown or uh, goal or point, whatever they say in MUFA. And uh, I was leaping for that winning drive point to put us ahead so you laid it on the line i you, laid you laid your acl I, on the line i laid yes you laid your acl on the altar i did for the sake of winning actually i was just standing in the middle of the field <laughs> <laughs> and uh i i turned too quickly and uh classic cl- yeah I mean, old man injury it, it could happen to any of you so right. stretch well yep. and uh eat right Yep. And uh, don't turn quickly when you're on the pitch. Yep. I was just going to say, in Matthew, I was fortunate enough to do a passage just recently on heaven. And that just helped me ener- energize me as it thinks about evangelism of just like, there is a glorious realm of a new heaven, uh, new earth, like that that's coming, that Jesus says it far surpasses, like, we think of marriage. It was about marriage. And, like, we, one of the, a, a, a great blessing on this earth is marriage, right? Um, and yet Jesus says, like, there's something even far more glorious than the institution of marriage. And it's with him in eternity forever. Um and I don't think we account for the power of God to create something even vastly greater than what our eyes or minds can make sense of, like, in this earth. You know what I mean? Like, we take the pleasures of this earth and we say, this is good, but how often do we meditate on, like, there's actually something coming even better? Um, and wouldn't that motivate me to share that with uh, the hope that I have that our bodies will be 
like immortal, like an angel. Like that's maybe our neighbors will think we're crazy if we say that, but I think it's just the reality of like there is good news, there is a hope um, uh, that we do have or possess as as Christians. That's good, James. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two things I've been thinking about. One is I've been reading a lot of Martin Lloyd Jones lately on prayer. And he says that we don't pray because we don't plan to pray. And I think prayer is a really important aspect of evangelism, that we should be intentional in praying for opportunities. But I think the same thing is true about evangelism. We probably don't evangelize because we don't plan to. We don't think about it. We don't strategize. And uh, one of the things I've been thinking about lately as we are anticipating moving to Ecuador is contextualization. Um, that the the heart of the gospel is the same, but how you present it and what aspect of it you present to different groups of people varies. And wanting to be mindful of that, we're not <clears throat> we're not homogeneous. We're not all the same. We're not all the same, and so the same gospel presentation. Um, like we can memorize one gospel presentation, but being aware of your audience and how they're going to receive that and what those words mean in their context or their culture, I think is really important. Yeah. Amen. I love what you're saying just in terms of intentionality. I've seen that over and over Um, intentionality. Number one, to just pray about it. And man, like the Bible seems not seems to, the Bible does say like John 15, seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given unto you. So like, what are the, you know, like if you're praying Bible and my words remain in you, if you're praying God's word, um, he loves to say yes to those prayers because it's according to his will. And so much of the Bible, we see um, evangelism, especially in the book of Acts, testifying to the resurrection. And so when you pray that way, I've seen in my life, it's not immediate, usually can be, but it the Lord loves to answer those prayers that are aligned with his word. And so every time I've prayed for opportunities for evangelism, it seems like God brings them. Now, sure, I can shut that down and quench the spirit if I want to, but um, I can't say the opportunities weren't there. Um, and usually that's connected to also, um, you know, intentionality in my schedule. And so, um, you know, it, it feels like to me, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are, and and Jesus is really raised from the dead, and he is, and um, I love him, and I do, uh, you know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, that when I hang out with unbelievers, I'm going to talk about God somehow, because I, I just can't not, you know, um, and so I've just been thinking about it less like a structure that I have to force, like cram into every circumstance. Um, and I think that that just smacks of a lack of genuineness that people can sniff out, like you're making me into some project if you try to shoehorn the gospel into every single conversation. Um, but there's a genuine nature to it when it's like you're listening to your friend and you're thinking about their real problems and, and, and they have a real problem. And you can say, well, you know what? Like, let's say it's a marriage problem. This is how my Christian worldview impacts my marriage. 
that leads me to whatever, repentance and forgiveness and the freedom to repent because I have forgiveness in Christ. And it's like I can throw in a gospel presentation right there very naturally because I do believe that it's true and it does affect my marriage. And so why wouldn't I share that with my unbelieving friend? You know what I mean? So that's just one example of how just being willing to talk about how the Christian worldview impacts you is a great way to just share your faith. I would agree. I think sometimes we get um, stuck or get um, overwhelmed by the idea of like sharing a full gospel presentation and how to do it and when to do it and how to figure it, how to figure it into the conversation. When I think that you can drop things like, yeah, I attend church regularly and just kind of let it sit and see if they pick it up. Or like you said, somebody else, you hear them struggling with their marriage and you can just talk about like, yeah, the gospel has really helped me in my marriage. Or and just say something like, um, since I'm a Christian, would it be okay if I shared with you how I yeah. think about this? Yeah, yeah. You but know? letting these things drop, bringing them into the conversation and letting them ask questions where you can answer that. Because I think that people pay attention to those things. Being a Christian now is very um, almost polarizing. Uh, in the workplace and in our communities, and people are going to have thoughts about it. They're going to have a reaction to the idea that you go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, and um, either they're going to be more curious and ask questions and want to know more, or they're going to kind of distance themselves. And either way, then you know if this is a relationship um, that could be open to sharing the gospel, like a person of peace, a person who's curious, who's open, who wants to learn more. Yeah, I think that's something we really should talk about is the whole idea of, you know, Christianity and the and even the concept of evangelism. You hear it a lot like don't proselytize, like proselytizing is the the four-letter word for evangelism, you know, in our culture. And uh What does that word mean? Proselytizing? Yeah, we don't use it that often in Yeah, I don't I don't honestly know we could get into the et- et- etymology. It's probably some Latin root that I'm not even familiar with. I was with. trying to spell it out and I was thinking it was more than four letters, but now I get what you <laughs> meant by that. <laughs> exactly. I think what we it's think the of dirty word. Right, is somebody like at Iowa State when we were students, we had this guy who'd come through every year and he would just stand on a box literally in the middle of campus shouting at people. Right. We had the same thing on our campus. Yeah, it's probably the same guy. <laughs> toured around Iowa. It'd be interesting if that still happens. I'm sure it does on UW campus. But, you know, like the whole concept of evangelism is is not popular. And my concern is that that will stir up fear in people that will squash obedience, you know. Because when you read the book of Acts, you know, Jesus was not popular at all. Probably um, less popular than he is today. I mean, that that culture that was trying to shut down um, Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5 was more hostile than probably what we experience in our culture. And those believers, the Bible says, are filled with the Spirit and they are going for it. Like, Jesus is risen from the dead. Like, you need to know that. It has implications for your life. And um, I think it'd be good just to talk about that fear and just name it that I know all of us feel of like, the awkwardness of like, yeah, I'm a Christian or yeah, I'm going to church. Um, how, how do you guys think about that? How do we um, combat that in our current cultural context and setting in Madison? I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. 
because I can tend to feel like, oh, this person doesn't care. This person doesn't want to know. Um, and there's like some part of me that thinks like if they did want to know, they would already. And I had an experience with a friend who, uh, you know, I had conversations like this, like we talked politics or whatever. And I would just say like, you know, I have a different perspective on politics because of my faith and that kind of thing. And then one day he's just like, so like, what is the story of the Bible? Like, I don't even know it. And it was like blew my mind to just think that somebody wouldn't have a context for even what the Bible like post-Christian. Right. Here we are. Right. And, and I just like, I said, okay, well here's the story start to finish. And this is how it all fits together. And, um, I, it just like helped me realize like, uh, I'm, I can't just decide for somebody that they don't want to know or that they already do know, especially here in Madison, because that probably is not true. They probably just don't know that they don't know, or they don't, know that it is something relevant to their lives you know it's not just like where i move from everyone knows the gospel in some form and people live in different stages of obedience to it but it's, it's like up here people don't actually know like family guys portrayal of jesus and god is the closest thing they have to a picture of the gospel so i think about that a lot What was the question? Sorry. Just growing past and being honest about the apprehension we have to evangelism in light of the, our cultural context. Um, the, you know, a lot of, a lot of times because of the place in which we live, we can feel fearful. Um, and I think we just need to talk about that mm -hmm. um, and own it and, and seek to, um, Figure out how do we obey Jesus? How do we obey the Bible for the sake of our joy, his glory, and the joy of our neighbors? Yeah, I think what Laurel shared at the outset of just that piece of intentionality and wrapping that into community, um, I think as one who has a family, um, there's a lot of accountability in um, not only my intentionality, but like in the follow through of my interactions and how I speak with our neighbors. A large part of my context with unbelievers is just our neighborhood, who, which is we all have small, small houses on little narrow roads and it's a very active community. Um, we're all outside uh, typically. And so um, like that's my context um, for, for evangelism primarily. But uh, I think sharing in city group or um, with your family um, just where God is leading you um, and how to be intentional um, and seeking um, that accountability, um, seeking the question of uh, how is it going, what is God doing, um, how can I be praying for uh, this relationship, uh, I think fosters like the ability for you uh, to be able to share uh, and, and for you to, for one, for me, like to, I tell my city group often, like I failed in speaking like a Christian um, in this way, or I feared this, uh, but just making that part of a rhythm for you of confessing that um, where you fall short and asking for prayer to um, be like Joshua, I think of just being bold and courageous and, um, uh, trusting the Lord for the, for another opportunity uh, in your intentionality. I think the fear piece um, 
like for me, I know it's usually wrapped up in my own reputation. Like I don't want people to think I'm weird or I'm stupid or I'm ignorant or silly. And so when I can identify that and understand that, hey, I just don't want this person to think poorly of me or I want to control what they do think about me and can identify that and take it to the Lord and say, and stand on what is true that my reputation is in his hands. I can't control what other people think about me anyway. And going back to the gospel and remembering who God is and what he saved me from and growing that love for my savior is fuel for sharing that love with other people. And when I can rest steadfastly in the fact that I can't control my reputation anyway, but all I'm called to be is faithful and obedient. Um, there's just like this freedom, this freedom to look like a fool in the world's eyes and be okay with that. So I would say it goes back to the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Um, it definitely is connected to our love for God, I think. And I think about your tattoo. I always forget the last one, but you have nothing to hide, nothing to prove. Well, that's not tattooed. Oh, sorry. You have a My verse. My tattoo is uh, his resurrection is his enthronement. Okay, never mind. I think about but your... But the thing is that I would get it if I were to get another tattoo. Yes. It would be nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide, nothing to defend. There you go. If the gospel's true. If the gospel's true, it which is. it is. Yeah, so... um. Let's get that tattooed, Zach. I think one is enough. Um, interesting story in Ecuador. They are um, not excited. The Christian community is not very excited about tattoos. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, like, a lot of people come from, a, like, a more legalistic kind of background. Like, um, having a glass of wine with dinner responsibly would be a big no-no uh, for a lot of Christians in Ecuador. Um, those that are, even those that are, you know, coming to get training from Compassion Connection and what Justin Laurel are going to be serving in. Um, so that's neither here nor there at this point, although we, we can say that that would be a growth area to understand freedom in Christ. But um, I did some video training recently where I was sitting in my office uh, teaching uh, for some videos, and then they were going to disseminate those videos to the students down there. And um, they told me on my most recent trip that, like, in the future, I might want to, like, wear long sleeves just just so it's not, like, a stumbling block, you know, uh, for people. So I thought that was interesting. So you can tell Justin to buckle up. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's great. Like, it's, it's really good to, um, you know, we know that, like, the early church was dealing with what does it mean to have freedom in Christ? Mm -hmm. Like, food sacrifice to idols or not? So, I guess I won't get my sleeve then before I go. <laughs> you won't get the wings on your shoulder blades. <laughs> or the Mike Tyson face tattoo. Yeah, I'll refrain. Yeah, you should get a sweet face tat. That'd be awesome, Laurel. Um, just like so, just like biblical counseling across your forehead or something. Here I come. Okay, you get one that says pastor then. I will. I will. El pastor. Um, so anyway, gosh, we are prone to rabbit trails on this podcast. What makes, makes it fun? What was I going to say? I was going to say something about fear, but yeah, like it's, uh, it's our making of disciples. You know, I just think about, it goes back to who we are as people. Like, do we know who we are? And we aren't people that just show up to church 
um, to have this little compartmentalized Christianity that's just private and it's safe. And I go to church on Sunday and, you know, but like, no, making disciples, Matthew 28. And when you read the book of Acts and what Matthew 28 looks like in action with spirit filled people, like there's some laying some things on the line and there's some being willing to be uncomfortable. And like Laurel just said, like a, a willingness to not focus on my reputation, but I want to focus on the glory of God and, and what we know is ultimately best for human flourishing. And that's knowing your creator and, and his plan for all of history. Mm-hmm. But what would you guys say? How would you encourage someone um, who's just feeling like, okay, I, I agree. I'm persuaded biblically. But man, I get in these conversations and I just freeze up. Or I get in these conversations and I just, I don't know what to say, you know? Um, and it never seems to go well. How would you encourage someone like that? Me too. <laughs> That's interesting. I was just talking to my son last night about this because he asked me the exact question of, I just, I just get nervous and I don't know what to say. And I don't know, I don't even know how, like, sometimes people can out talk me and he doesn't have all the the knowledge. And this is what I said to him. And this is sometimes what I do. I said, just keep asking questions, consider it like a window into this person's belief system. And that's just going to give you information. It's going to spur you on to go dig back into the word and understand what you believe. And you don't have to have all the answers. Consider it like, Hey, this is a gift from the Lord. Here's somebody willing to talk about their belief system and just gather data, ask questions, um, yeah, and draw them out and uh, let it challenge you to grow. And you don't have to have the answers. Um, the Holy Spirit, this is what I told my son, the Holy Spirit is so much more powerful than you. And you don't have to have the answers, but be a good friend and listen and be willing to engage and walk with them. So that would be my, James? Yeah, no, I, amen. I think uh, we get caught in the trap that we do the saving uh, and God's along Amen. for the ride, but God Amen. does the saving. So yeah, uh, don't discount prayer. And I agree, Laurel. It's it's about walking well with with these relationships um, in all relationships. But it's 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 more more convincing the more you overlap your life um, with with folks who are going to see your consistency in love for them as human beings that's going to win them to Christ more than a convincing argument. Um, Not to say that God doesn't use um, our mental capacities um, to be persuasive um, because there's a wholeness to ourselves, but uh, I'm convinced that it's how we how we love, how we walk alongside. Um, And even as they share their story that we're not like, grossed out or freaked out or like i can't believe that that would be part of your life but it's hey amen i am walking alongside you and just uh just that determination of i'm gonna i'm i'm for you i'm with you uh and i'm committed to praying for you um you don't have to say that last part but uh i'm i'm convinced um if we if we commit ourselves to prayer for those in our lives uh, God's only going to enlarge your heart and God's going to do some, some powerful things. But to the prayer thing, I've never had an unbeliever like be like, don't you dare pray for me. Like I've had that um, often with unbelievers where they might even ask me, but I might even say, um, hey, like, 
somebody struggling with alcoholism or someone struggling in parenting or someone struggling in their marriage or someone struggling with loneliness. Um, I just, man, I'll, I'll be praying for you. And I've never once had an unbeliever say, don't, please don't. <laughs> and I would, I would say my experience is the same. Like people don't reject prayer. It's a common enough term. And even being as bold as to say, can I pray for you right now? But I think what you're talking about, James, is that word and deed piece. Like it's not just that we have to defend the gospel or preach the gospel, but often it's coupled with how we live our lives. And sometimes that speaks and it should speak just as loudly to them as the words that we say. And you don't ever want to like if I can't defend my position, then I can't hang out with this person or I'm embarrassed to hang out with this person. No, just keep loving them. Keep showing up. Keep showing up to play spike ball or whatever it is. And I think hospitality is such a huge piece of this as COVID hopefully lifts here in Dane County, like the restrictions and just our case counts and whatnot. But it's it's inviting these um, neighbors and coworkers, inviting them into our homes, inviting them into our lives um, and, and allowing them to see that there's um, that you there's an acceptance and a trust of who they are as a human beings that you want them a part of your life. You want them in your home. You want them um, in some sense involved in your family's life, whatever that looks like. Um, I've seen the greatest growth in our neighborhood relationships. The more I allow them into kind of my sphere of like family, um, if that makes any sense. Um, but the more I welcome them into our family, the the greater I can sense uh, just that relational capacity growing. Yeah. And, and I think there's a real nuance here that I think is really important that we pray about. I can, I can show hospitality because I'm trying to make someone into my evangelistic project or I can show hospitality because I genuinely love people mm-hmm. and people can smell the difference. You know, they can feel the difference, you know? And, and so what that drives me back to is just prayer. Like, Lord, help me just genuinely love people. I don't want to make people into some evangelism project because ultimately that's about me. Like, I'm trying to find some notch on my belt so I can validate that I'm really a Christian or something. And I felt like that early on in the life of our church where it's like, I got to prove that I'm a good church planter and I'm really missional and I'm, you know, I can lead this church with integrity because I'm really doing it. And I think that's important to be asking those questions, but it could so easily morph into this gross thing that's about me and then I make people into projects and then they can sense that and then why would they want to listen to me when it's really just about me and so I just found over the years like just praying that Lord would you make my heart genuinely love people like you love people like the word says you love people and I want to have that heart I don't want to I don't want this to be some manufacturing of love for people that you know um and, and what I found is, to James, your point, is when it, when it feels like I'm in that space, sometimes, you know, you don't wait for your heart to be perfectly right until you obey. You obey and then God makes your heart right in the process. But what I found that when we show hospitality, typically people feel loved when you show them hospitality, especially in a culture that is more and more alienated from one another, you know, through social media. Like genuine hospitality, I think in the future is going to be really powerful and people are craving it. Um, And when you do that, it typically sends the message. I care about you. I love you, you know, Um, and that's a great place to uh, to start sharing your faith, you know, because you we should love people. (laughs) You know, We should. 
Yeah, and I would say don't worry about like a messy house or if your kids are naughty or um, because it's often through these or if your husband snaps at you or, you know, in the middle of practicing hospitality with some people you want to share Jesus with because it's often through those um, difficult, real life situations that ministers to people the most. I remember uh, some some duplex neighbors of ours who were not believers, and Justin and I prayed intentionally that we'd be able to share the gospel with them. And they found out we were Christians, and I still remember when they were over for dinner and something happened and I swore. <laughs> I said the S word, and I remember later this friend coming back to me and she was like, I knew you were a real person when you said the S word. And that surprisingly opened up an avenue for sharing our lives with them and sharing the gospel. And she eventually did become a believer. But it was in those moments of like real life situations I and mean, how we walked those out and how we handled those um, that opened the door for us to share. It wasn't about being perfect. It wasn't about putting forth the best picture of Christ's likeness um, <clears throat> exteriorly. <clears throat> it was about how we lived in, um, yeah, the, the everyday, the ordinary life situations. Laurel, I cannot believe that you would <laughs> drop the S word. Uh, no, I agree. And I think in my experience in my own neighborhood, uh, I think there's just a craving for uh, friendships. Um, I don't know in your neighborhoods, but <laughs> I'm always struck by just the lack of friendships people have. Um, I think people are amazed at Emily and I and just like the constant flow of like people, not so much probably in this last year, but the constant flow of people coming in and out of our house and city group and like, how do these people know all these people? Um, it's not necessarily true for folks not in like a church community. I think I find in my neighborhood folks really lack good, healthy friendships. Um, and I think that's what we have an opportunity to represent in our neighborhoods or in our apartment dwellings of just being, you know, uh, lighthouses of, of peace and friendship and being able to offer that. And I think people are longing to come over for a meal, uh, to share that and to, um, to, to find that friendship. Um, something that Emily and I have done over this, I, I think I've probably shared this in past spheres, but just, you know, we really have a heart for our neighbors and for um, just creating those platforms. And one of the ways God has um, helped us kind of move the ball forward is, <laughs> I call them Thursday throwdowns, um, but we just invite all the neighbors to our house on Thursdays um, just for a, a grill out and yard games and conversation Um and just it's it's been really I think it's been unique and also really uh, opportuni opportunistic 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 uh, just relationally uh, big words I'll, I'll help you guys with the big words thank you he's such a good linguist <laughs> what does that word mean Zach proselytization <laughs> homogenous homogenous wow we're getting educated anyway go ahead. But no, just just this idea that we as a family want to intentionally in our calendar once a week um, be involved in our neighborhood um, and growing in those relationships. Um, and it's been fun just seeing neighbors um, 
it, it, and it's not us hosting the Thursday throwdown anymore. It's our neighbors doing it uh, because they've caught vision of relationships are important. Uh, obviously, we may have a different slant on, um, you know, we want them to know Christ as well. Um, but we're also sharing good food and, and drinks and, and whatnot, too. So I think that's been a big win for us. Yeah, that's awesome, James. And that leads to like another point of, you know, what can you do in your gifting? Um, like you're great at that because that's your gifting. Um, I hear that and I just want to take a nap because I'm an introvert <laughs> and, you know, I'm an introvert and I'm with people a lot at work and I'm a pe- with people a lot at home. And, um, you know, like a weekly gathering with all of my neighbors just sounds exhausting to me. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be passionate about evangelism. Um, and it's okay to admit that I'm not James Davenport. And it's okay for me to celebrate that James is James. And like, dude, that is awesome. Praise God for what God is doing through you by his spirit. So I, th- I don't want anybody to hear this and be like, well, I'm not James, so I can't do evangelism. Um, we should be together and praying and celebrating um, what God is doing in the body of Christ and our unique gifting. And then asking ourselves, you know, like take the pressure off. Okay. Yeah. You're not James. Great. But who are you and how has God wired you and what are you able to do? So like for me, it's like, could I handle a big group? No, but I could handle one-on-ones like that doesn't make me feel as tired or like one family over instead of like 10 families over. Um, or, you know, like I can build deep relationships with people. Um, and I'm pretty good at being consistent over time. And so, man, how can I keep heading that direction? Um, for the sake of God's glory and people's joy in, in knowing the gospel. Um, I mean, another example is when we moved to Madison, um, I wanted to be intentional to meet people and intentional to meet non-believers, and I also wanted to work out. So I joined the YMCA and just was able to build a lot of friendships through that and, and found that through working out together when you're super sweaty and you're very vulnerable and that it opens doors to sharing your heart with people. You can tell because you've worked out with these people, you know, two or three times a week for a couple of years when they're having a bad day. I still remember when one gal got cancer and we were all with her. We took her out for breakfast. We raised money. I was able to pray for her, um, but only because of that context. And it was also something I enjoyed doing. And there was another point in my life where I wanted to run a 5K. And so I invited my neighbor, who was a non-believer, just to train with me. And so three or four times a week, we had 20 to 30 minutes to talk. And again, that just opened doors to share my life, share the gospel. And it wasn't some um, something out of the ordinary for me or something out of, like, you don't have to start something new. You don't have to be somebody you're not. Um, another thing I did um, in when I was in Iowa, I started a book club with our neighbors. Found out there were a bunch of women who liked to read, and uh, That's a great idea. Yeah, so we just read a book together once a month, and we and we did set up some criteria because I didn't want to read um, graphic books or anything inappropriate, and so we went classic classical literature and just discussed that and that. There's, there's tons of gospel themes throughout uh, good literature, and that opened lots of doors for conversations. Just help me understand where people were at. Yeah, that reminds me of just like a great opportunity to like you're reading like Pride and Prejudice or whatever, and um, it's like, 
the statement coming out of your mouth often, like, well, as a Christian, here's how I think about this theme in that book. Like this resonates with forgiveness or redemption or, and you don't have to explain it or you don't have to ask people to be like, so what do you think about redemption or forgiveness? You know, like there might be a time for that. And I think we should have boldness, but sometimes it's okay just to, to say like, like as a Christian, here's how this topic interacts with what I believe or what the Bible teaches. So tell us your thoughts on Mr. Darcy. (laughs) Have you read the book? My girls are in love with all of those, and I just mix them all together. Kind of like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars. It's all the the same, right? I don't know. We need to end this podcast right now. Like Emma and Pride and Prejudice and Little Women. Like it's all kind of the same, right? No. (laughs) Zach, Kim is going to be so mad. We need Kim in here right now. She's going to rebuke me. You've alienated everybody with that one. Yeah, exactly. Like, say something good now. And Darth Vader going to hang out at some point? I don't even know how to it's all kind comment of the same. on that. Like Quidditch and um, and like the Ring of Power, it's all the same. And like Iron Man and, you know, anyway. Um, Houston's got no words. He's just over here. Just smoke is over, coming out of his ears. with anger. Do not attribute smoke to me. Well, that's right. You blew up your face yeah, once. Okay. I'm tra- I'm flash having flashbacks. Wait, 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 wait. We need to tell that story. Derail. What you blew up your face once? Yeah, I, we talked about it last time on the podcast. On the podcast, he came in with no eyebrows. You remember, I like my you face see, hair was singed. I do so many podcasts now. I don't remember what we talked about, but Whoa. Was water flex. <laughs> it was the it was the yeah exactly. I'm kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you you it was with a grill, right? Uh, yeah, like a fire, a fire pit, like gas fire pit. Yeah, there was a leak and it caught and blew flames up. Yeah, that's my not whole good. Front side. That's not good. Mm-mm. We're glad that you're okay. Thank you. Okay, back on topic. Um, let me just share in closing something that I that I feel like. Go ahead, Laurel. I, I was just gonna say, how could you use that story to share the gospel, Houston? Flames. What would ha- Where safety. would you go if you suddenly caught fire sitting on your deck? <laughs> there you go. Just real fire and brimstone stuff. See, we we make fun of that stuff, and I think we should in some sense, like trying to cram. You know, like speaking of flames, you know, like. Um, Do you find that most people have a view of an afterlife? In my experience, yeah. I think. Most people like want to believe in heaven. Like all you, when somebody dies, like, well, they're in a better place. Like that's what you hear all the time. And what you want to say is like, well, how do you know? But you can't say that because that sounds really insensitive. But if most people aren't Christians, then that's a, a very appropriate thing to ask is like when Prince dies or Michael Jackson dies or, you know, um, DMX dies recently, um, like, Everybody, all through the media, like you'll see the quotes, well, they're in a better place. Are, are they? Well, why do you believe that? Um, and based on what? You know, I mean, if you can ask that in a way that's not argumentative or aggressive, I think that's a great question to ask. Um, but back to like the, 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 what's called the Jesus juke, where you like cram, you know, like, well, I burned my face the other day. What do you think about burning? Have you heard about hell? You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Like that's a that's a Jesus juke. Um, 
according to um, what's that guy's name? He had a blog stuff Christians say anyway back when blogs were popular. But like you know that can be really. Um, <laughs> Really, uh, go ahead, Laura. I was just going to say, you're getting old. You're like, okay, what's that guy's name? I can't I know, I am old. You are um, 50. Stop. Um, so, like, part of me is like, when you hear people's testimonies, you know, Matt Chandler always shares about the time. Matt Chandler is the president of Acts 29. And back in the 80s, when he became a Christian, it was like a lot of youth groups were talking about the dangers of rock music and like if you play an acdc record backwards it says like devil worship things and you know the satanic panic of the 80s and you know he he tells the story about what his youth group was like the music of journey you know was like of the devil and you know of, in one sense right like anything that doesn't love jesus is you know if you're not for me or against me blah 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 but like super cheesy, super cheesy. Like, <laughs> like a journey song is of the devil. And so now we're going to present that to you and then we're going to present the gospel. But for whatever reason, like a lot of people listening to this podcast don't even know who journey is. Journey is one of the greatest eighties bands of all time. Check it out. Uh, but like Matt Chandler sitting there and you know, it's this horribly cheesy youth group thing, but for whatever reason, the spirit used it. Mm-hmm. And He's the president of a of a church planting organization to this day that's um, doing that God is using to do beautiful things throughout the world. Over seven hundred churches now, and so like all that to say, like full circle, like your efforts are not everything. Your efforts are something, and the Bible certainly presents intentionality as very important. But like James said a little bit ago, like you know, God is the initiator, and we're along for the ride. And God is the one who ultimately saves people. It's not all up to you. And your perfectly slicked gospel presentation is not going to save anybody or not save anybody. Ultimately, that's up to the Lord. And and our job is to be faithful. And so, you know, just in closing, like three, three quick things that I think about when it comes to presenting the gospel or being faithful to do evangelism. Number one, we've already talked about it, but it's just prayer. Pray. Just start there. Just pray and ask God, Lord, I I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I want to be faithful. I want to make disciples. I want to see you save people, and I want to be a part of that. Um, He loves to answer that prayer. Number two, um, be present. Like, we've talked about this a lot. Like, don't just sit in your house all day. Um, You know, don't just close your office door. Don't just, like, um, not be involved in anything in the community. You know, be present. Like, and there's a thousand different ways to be present, like be a front yard person, not a backyard person, be a open garage person and not a closed garage person. Um, be someone who like participates in, in, uh, uh, like, you know, your activities that your kids might be in, you know, um, how can you get to know people there? If you're sending your kids to public school, how are you present there? You know, there's a thousand ways to be present. And then finally, present yourself like a Christian. So it's pray, uh, be present, and then present yourself. The three P's of evangelism, um, present yourself as a Christian. So having that phrase come out of your mouth a lot, like, um, well, as a Christian, here's how I think about that. Or since I'm a Christian, you know, this topic is informed, blah, 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 blah. You know, and in my experience, if you're just willing to do that and say that, 
um, the spirit tends to use that to take you places you'd never expect. Um, I've found that like, instead of trying to shoehorn the, the gospel into every conversation with like the thing we were just making fun of, you know, a second ago of like, I burned my face. What do you think about burning for eternity? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, that, that doesn't tend to work very well, but, um, I have seen God use the whole thing of, man, as a Christian, here's how I think about that, um, lead to like very explicit gospel conversations where we're talking about God, sin, substitute, resurrection, and response. And um, so I just commend that to us as a church to be thinking about those three things, pray, be present, and then present yourself like a Christian. And and, uh, I think that might be a way to... uh, Help us on the path of making disciples. So any parting words from you guys you want to share about any of this? All right. Well, let's uh, be um, thinking about these things. And we commend this to you um, as, as staff here at The Vine. And we're so thankful for um, you guys and your faithfulness to make disciples. And may God help us as we continue 